Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. The Bible says this. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. With that being said, I want to preach and teach to you um, from a sermon entitled, United We Stand, Divided We Fall. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us into your house. Um, Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts uh, to hear from you. Um, Lord, uh, we ask that each and every person would set aside the things that they came in with, um, that you would allow us just to rest and hear from you. Um, Lord, um, you've told us that we need to be still, okay, in order to hear from you. And Lord, we ask that you help us to do that at this time. Um, Lord, we pray for each and every person that is here right now. We pray for each and every person that may still be on their way, um, that you would speak to our hearts and help us to draw close to you, um, as it is any time that we meet with you. Um, Lord, we pray uh, all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. United we stand, divided we fall. Um, so, in today's culture, um, there's a lot of division. Would we agree on that? Yeah? Okay. Um, so, you know, as, as I got to thinking about this topic over the last couple of weeks um, and really trying to flush this thing out and, and uh, understand it better, um, you know, I, as I often do, I, I kind of tend to um, look at popular culture and see where things are in our popular culture and then kind of take a step back. Because the reality is this, like we live in this culture and we have to deal with what we hear on the news, we have to deal with uh, our family lives, we deal with um, stuff at work, and all of it is culturally related somehow, okay? And if we, if we take those things away, um, and just try and live out the Bible based on, you know, the, the things that we hear in it, uh, it's very easy to become disconnected from what's going on in, uh, in society, okay? So I wanted to take a look at a, a few things that I, I kind of came across that uh, are dividing us here in America today, okay? Uh, so politics. How many of you would say politics is really one of those hot button issues, right? Uh, I don't care if we're talking about um, your political affiliation being Democrat versus Republican or Independent uh, or Tea Party or whatever it is, okay? Um, you know, I don't care if you like Donald Trump or you're, uh, you're anti-Donald Trump. Like, everybody has some sort of stance when it comes to politics somehow, okay? Uh, you know, you look at issues like mail-in voting. That was a big one in this last election, okay? A lot of people divided on that one. You got things like immigration, okay, people coming across the border illegally um, uh, versus legally. Um, you got global warming, you've got COVID vaccinations. COVID's a big, been a real big one, all right? Um, you know, how many of you know that, uh, you know, people have been divided as to whether or not um, certain people in certain demographics should get COVID vaccinations, okay? 
There's a huge push right now for kids under the age of 14 to get vaccinated, okay? Um, you know, you've got economics, okay? You've got the 1% versus the 99%. Um, you've got the rich versus the poor. You've got, uh, you know, along those same lines, uh, socialism versus capitalism. You've got, um, you know, a support of our local police and our military, okay, that has divided people, okay? Um, let's see, you've got uh, abortion. There's another hot topic, okay? You know, uh, just going down the line, we've got gender identity, okay? You've got uh, issues with, um, you know, transgendered folks trying to use public bathrooms, um, you know, that weren't uh, specifically intended for them, okay? Uh, you've got all these different issues, okay? The redefinition of marriage. You've got uh, racially divisive issues like the woke culture. You've got critical race theory. You've got diversity, equity, and inclusivity training that's being pushed in our educational systems and in the corporate, uh, in the corporate world. You know, you've got uh, censorship of freedom of speech, okay? You've got cancel culture. You've got gun control. You've got uh, uh, U.S. patriotism, you've got people that are uh, divided whether or not we should be pledging allegiance to the flag, okay? So, it, and this is sort of an interesting one because my kids go to school and, you know, at, at the school that they go to, they do sing the pledge. And part of that pledge, you know, you think about it is, you know, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, right? And the reality is this, like, I don't care if you're an atheist, I don't care if you're a believer in God, I don't care if you're Muslim, you're Jewish, I don't care what you are, okay? Um, you know, that one line is going to divide you somehow, okay, based on what you believe in, all right? And, you know, they want to take the Pledge of Allegiance out of schools, they want to take the Pledge of Allegiance out of uh, governmental proceedings. Let me tell you what's going to happen if you take that well, you can already see what's happened when they take prayer out of schools. They took prayer out of schools in 1962 or 1964. I can't remember which one, but it was back then. Um, and since then, how many of you know that school shootings have gone up? Okay. How many of you know that suicide amongst youth has gone up? Okay. Um, how many of you know that our... Uh, uh, our children struggle with more issues related to uh, morality issues nowadays than they did back then, okay? Like, these are things that we shouldn't be divided our, on, but we are divided on because we're focused on the wrong thing, okay? And we're going to talk about that at length today. Um, and then the big one, God and his role in our everyday lives. Okay, um, you know, you've got people that want to remove the Ten Commandments uh, from in front of courthouses. I mean, most people don't understand that uh, the basic laws that we have on morality are Judeo-Christian based. So they're based on that Bible and what that Bible has said about issues relating to morality. Okay, if you go to the United States Congress today, most people don't know this either. There are, um, if you look around the halls of Congress, there are, um, there are pictures of historical lawgivers that are all situated 
uh, within the walls of Congress. And what you see is, is sort of like one side of their face. And they're all facing towards the front of the room. The only, uh, the only historical lawgiver that um, exists out of all of them that is standing with his face facing forward is of Moses holding the Ten Commandments. Okay? And the, four, the, the founding fathers of our country saw fit to give credit to whom credit was due because the reality is that I don't care what laws that you have at what period in time that they were grafted, they are all based on the morality that God has given us. Okay? So you can be divided all you want on God and his role in our lives, but it is the only thing that is holding us back from true and utter chaos. Okay? That's the reality. All right. Um, so, you know, I, I gave us all of these, um, all these different topics that divide us, and there was about 20 or so of them. Um, and, you know, I, I wanted to make the point that these are not just issues that lost people deal with. These are issues that are plaguing us within the church, okay? Because we are not all uh, uh, on the same side of any of these issues, okay? And the tough part is, you know, the, the, the Bible tells us um, that God loves unity and God loves harmony. And we're going to talk about that at length today. Um, but we need to be very specific. We need to be very intentional about how we go about doing that. All right? So let's go back to our opening verse uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1. And the Bible says, I appeal to you. Now, this is uh, the Apostle Paul, and he is talking to the church at Corinth. And he says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, all right, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let's pause there for a second. So, you know, when the Bible asks us to live in harmony with each other, um, the tough part about that is, like, uh, people may know and understand uh, or have a, a, a very basic idea of what harmony looks like, okay? Uh, people may know and uh, have a very basic idea of what unity looks like, okay? But the Bible actually mentions both of them in this verse, and, and I, I tend to think that that is very intentional because uh, there is a difference between the two. So I'm, I'm going to show you real quick the difference between the two uh, and also the similarities between the two. Um, so if you look in the dictionary, unity, okay? Unity is defined as a oneness or the state of becoming one, okay? Drawing closer together, okay? Pur purposefully and intentionally coming together. Okay, um, so uh, I'll, give you, uh, I'll give you a quick example on that. So uh, when we get married, okay, um, when we get married, uh, if, we, if we truly are recognizing God as a part of our union with our spouse, okay, this is how this looks. I'll give you a really basic picture on how it looks. So if God is up here and then there's you and your spouse, okay, there's something that's, that's really unique that happens uh, when we get married, all right? So, again, God is up here, you and your spouse. 
Now, if you are reading your Bible, saying your prayers, trying to draw closer to God and grow in your connection with God, okay, you are moving on this upward trajectory towards God, right? So the same thing happens with your spouse. If your spouse is reading their Bible, saying their prayers, and trying to draw closer to God, they are also going to be moving towards God. And the reality is that the two of you are going to be growing together spiritually, moving closer to God. You are moving together to reach unity. Okay, does that make sense? We good there? Okay, now the flip side also happens because when you don't read your Bible, when you don't say your prayers, when you are not trying to grow spiritually, you start to go the opposite direction. You start to move away from God, okay? Now, if your spouse is growing towards God and you are moving away from God, you are not only getting further away from God, but you're also getting further away from your spouse, spiritually speaking, okay? You cannot find unity in that union if the two of you are not moving closer to God together. That is unity within a marriage, okay? So let's take a look at harmony. So harmony is defined as an interweaving of different accounts into a single narrative. Uh, different, or if we're talking about uh, using, uh, say, the choir, for instance, it's different instruments and voices coming together to create a song, okay? So um, let's look at, uh, I'll give you an example. So, uh, the Bible has four Gospels to it. Um, three of those Gospels are recognized as what's called synoptic Gospels, so they are very similar in what they teach uh, about the life and times of Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, then you have the fourth Gospel, which is the Gospel of John, uh, that is not considered a synoptic Gospel, but all of the Gospels, if you read them together, will bring together what's called a spiritual harmony because they all basically tell the same story from a different perspective, okay? And they bring about what we know as the gospel harmony, okay? So with that being said, um, you know, to those that feel like uh, the, uh, the Bible uh, is, or, or excuse me, the account from the Bible about Jesus's life is not true because you have three people that almost totally agree and then one person that doesn't totally agree. That doesn't wash because there is harmony within each of those gospels that moves us to a single point in time, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and that significance on our lives as a result, okay? That is the biblical harmony there, okay? So we understand uh, the fact that unity draws us closer together and that harmony says that we are moving together in one accord, okay, towards one outcome, if you will, okay. But going back to our opening verse, okay, uh, we see that there's something that opposes unity and harmony, okay, uh, because the very next sentence, uh, after it says to live in harmony, it says, let there be no divisions in the church. So Paul is writing to a church of believers and he's telling them to let there be no divisions in the church. Why would he tell a group of believers who are saved, sanctified, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit that they should not have any divisions? Because they do. And let me be more clear, because we do, okay? So this topic of being united versus being divided 
is not a new one, okay? We have been dealing with this for a very long time, all right? So, you know, Paul goes on to say after that, he says, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. So, as believers, we need to understand what that thought and what that purpose is. Um, I'll give you a really quick rundown on it. Um, you know, there, there are probably three things. I know I said I wouldn't do it, but uh, Rick, jump with me. Um, uh, jump to John 3.16. Close to the end. So the Bible in John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his, own, his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. Listen, if there's one thing uh, that we need to be united on, it's the fact that Jesus Christ is the one and only son of God. He came, he lived a perfect life, he did not sin. He showed us that there is true love in spite of the fact that people hate you, okay? And he offered up the most important sacrifice of all time. He gave his life to die for us while we were still sinners, okay, so that we would have an opportunity to receive salvation, okay? That's the one thing that needs to bind us, okay? Um, as Christians, there's a lot of things that we can be divided on. That's one thing that we should not be divided on at all. Like, that's right out of the Bible, okay? Second thing, uh, let's switch over to John 14, 6, okay? Uh, where it says, uh, where Jesus is speaking, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, what's funny about this and, and sort of ironic is that this is the most divisive statement of all time. Okay, because there is a certain portion of the planet right now that you went, if you went and you polled them, they'd be like, oh, no, that's not true. Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can get to heaven. Er, wrong answer. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, if you continue with that mindset, you're going to find out in a very horrific way that that is not the way. Jesus said of himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Okay, so... That needs to be a unifying. Uh, uh, that needs to be a unifying thought as well, because the fact of the matter is, you have pastors out there that today, um, you know, are participating in interfaith prayer. Okay, whether it's interfaith prayer, um, you know, at a graduation, it's interfaith prayer as a part of regular church services, and they are engaged in what is called pluralism. Okay, where they are trying to take other religions, add them to the Christian faith, and still get to God. It cannot happen. Why? Because Jesus told us it cannot happen. Okay? There is only one way. It is through Jesus Christ. That's it. Okay? Last thing. Um, uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16, the Bible says this. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. 
not the lives of others, y'all, in our lives, okay? Judgment begins in the house of the Lord, right? It begins in us, okay? Second part of that verse says it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. I told you before, our laws in this country are founded on biblical principle, okay? And it all stems back to this verse here because the Bible says all scripture is inspired by God, okay, and is useful to teach us what is true, all right? So if we are not looking at the Bible as the ultimate authority on right and wrong, okay, and we are using anything else other than the Bible to do so, it's very easy for us to go astray, okay? This is why pluralism does not work. That, well, one more reason why pluralism doesn't work Okay, because the Bible needs to be the ultimate authority. All right. If we were to get those three things right in the Christian community, it would squash most of what we see as being divisive. Okay. Why? Because we would be always, <clears throat> excuse me, looking back to the salvation that Jesus Christ offers us by the way of his sacrifice, us knowing and understanding that he is the only way to get to heaven, and us knowing that we need to live our lives based on what the Bible teaches so that we understand the difference between right and wrong, okay? All right, let's step back. Um, so let's go to, let's go to Colossians chapter three. And we are going to be looking at verse 12 to start. So the Bible says this, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults <clears throat> and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Let's go back to verse 12. When we get up in the morning and we put clothes on, um, we don't do so without some sort of thought as to what we're going to wear. Um, you know, I was home last night and I was thinking about what I would wear this morning. I decided shorts and a t-shirt probably wasn't going to cut it since I was going to be on stage talking this morning. Um, you know, uh, because for those of y'all that know me, that's how I dress when I'm back there and I'm just behind the scenes. Um, so I had to give careful thought as to what I would put on this morning. I knew that when I put this gator shirt on, I was going to fence some of y'all. But I'm going to tell you, just like I tell everybody else, I'm going to do just like Jesus does. I will accept you with all your faults if you're not a gator fan. All right. Uh, <laughs> So, you know, I had to make a conscious decision as to what I was going to wear this morning, right? I know Henry's in the back shaking his head. He's like, yeah, I know what you're talking about, brother. Yeah, I, I, I see you. I see you. Henry, for those of y'all that don't know, unfortunately is an FSU fan. But we love him anyway. <laughs> All right. Uh, so just like we have to make decisions as to what we are going to put on in the morning, right? Uh, God tells us here. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience, okay? And here's the reality, like these aren't easy things to do when you're in pain, uh, when you've had a long day at work and your kids are nagging you, uh, talking about what we're gonna eat, uh, you know, these aren't easy things to do when you're frustrated at work uh, because someone else didn't do the job they were supposed to do and now you're doing double work. Like, it, there are lots of situations that will come up that will challenge us on each and every one of these measures to be tenderhearted with mercy, okay? To be kind, to walk in humility, okay? To be gentle, to be patient. All right, uh, you know, I've been, I've been a father now for 12 years. Uh, I can tell you every day I'm challenged with one of these things. Like, that, that's just, that's, that's the life of a parent. Uh, but here's the thing, like we have to come back as children of God and we have to understand that we are God's children and that his patience is challenged, his gentleness is challenged, his humility, his kindness, his tenderhearted mercy they're all challenged because guess what? We're just like our children. We're no different to God than they are to us, okay? But he still shows us these things every day, okay? Um, Bible says how that um, each day we have fresh mercies that are available from him, right? So we need to treat each and every, I won't even say each and every day, I'll say each and every opportunity to do these things as a new opportunity, okay? Because the, the moment that we get outside of this mindset, okay, the easier it is for us to just be us, okay? Uh, to be less than tenderhearted, to be uh, unkind, to, uh, to be prideful, okay? Uh, to be harsh and abrasive, to not be patient, right? So we have to be very careful uh, in how we try to live this thing out because we're going to be challenged each and every day, each and every hour, each and every minute, each and every moment on these things, okay? And we need to make the choice to be these things, all right? Let's go on to verse 13. Here's a fun one. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. Uh, we'll just pause there because there's a comma, right? So make allowance for each other's faults. How many of you know that you have faults, first of all? Right. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not raising your hand, come see me afterwards. We need to have a long talk, right? So yes, each and every one of us has faults. And the reality is, like, we all know we have faults, okay? But we, too, need to know that other people have faults as well. And that's why the Bible says here that we need to make allowance for those faults, okay? Jesus came to, uh, to earth, and he walked with the disciples. He knew they had faults, all right? Uh, but, you know, he still taught them. He still provided for them. He still showed them to the way. All right? And he does the same thing with us. And if we are going to, if we are going to, like the previous verse says, uh, walk in tenderhearted mercy, uh, to walk in humility, 
to, uh, uh, to be kind and gentle with people, okay, and be patient with people, that's all, that's all, all of those characteristics right there allow us to make allowance for other people and their faults, okay? So, <laughs> moving on to the second part of this verse, uh, another fun part, uh, and it says, and forgive anyone who offends you. Hmm. Let me tell you, um, forgiveness, forgiveness is essential in the life of a believer. Okay. Um, why? Because it is the central principle by which we are saved. Without forgiveness, there is no salvation. Okay. And if it wasn't for the grace and the mercy that God gives to us, the grace being uh, giving us gifts that we don't deserve, and the mercy being withholding punishment that we do deserve, then, like, there is no forgiveness. We cannot allow ourselves to walk in unforgiveness, okay? Because of the last part of this verse, and it says, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Not you kind of should, you you can forgive them up to a point. No, you must forgive them, okay? So it doesn't matter how they've wronged you. It doesn't matter what they said, what they did, uh, what their attitude was when they did it. Like, we still need to forgive, right? Because that's what we're commanded to do. And the reality is that a lot of us struggle with this, okay? Um, because, you know, we, we, we tell ourselves uh, these, uh, these negative, we give ourselves this negative self-talk. Uh, like, oh, well, you don't know what they did to me. God does. You do know what you did to God. You do know what your sins are. But he chose to forgive you anyway when you ask for forgiveness. So we too must forgive. Okay? Verse 14. The Bible says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Okay? So, having said all the stuff that we talked about before, and then coming into this verse, it says, above all. All right? So, more so than everything that was already said, do this. Okay? Going back to clothing ourselves, but clothing ourselves with what? Before it talked about the characteristics, the tenderhearted mercy, the kindness, um, uh, uh, the patience, um, the gentleness. It it gave us all those characteristics, but the reality is that all those characteristics are characteristics of love. So it says, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us, okay, binds us together in perfect harmony, okay? How many of you guys have heard a bad song before? Like a a song that just didn't connect well with your ears and you were like, yo, something's off, right? Like, that's, would you describe that as perfect harmony? Probably not, right? Something was off, okay? But when a song sounds 
or sounds really good to our ears, all right, and we don't hear anything that's quote-unquote off, okay, we recognize the fact that there is harmony within that song, okay? So, when it talks about us being bound together in perfect harmony, this is uh, more an indication of our choice to make the, the allowance for other people's faults, to love on people, okay, displaying those characteristics of tenderhearted mercy, gentleness, kindness, um, uh, uh, patience, like these are all the things that we need to do in order to reach that point where we can be in perfect harmony, okay? All right, so um, now <laughs> here's what's funny about that. So like we looked right in the middle of this verse and it talks about loving people, okay? Um, so the funny thing about this is if you were to ask most people on the street what love is, they're going to tell you about this emotional thing that they have with someone else uh, or this love connection that they have uh, with food or, you know, how they love their car or their dog or, you know, maybe their children or whatever, right? And the fact of the matter is that while those definitions may be true to a certain extent, that is not the way that God intends for us to love one another, okay? So let's take a look and see what the Bible actually says about love. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to be looking at verse 4, or starting at verse 4. Uh, it says, love is patient. Hey, we've heard that one before, right? And kind. We've heard that too, okay? Uh, love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude, it does not demand its own way, it is not irritable, it keeps no record of being wronged, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. We'll just keep going into the next verse. Um, love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Let's go back to verse uh, verse 4. As we read through these, every single one of the characteristics that it talks about for love here is an actionable characteristic. It is not an emotional characteristic. Okay? Love is patient. Love is kind. Okay? These are things that you exhibit, things that you do towards one another. Right? Love is not jealous. Okay? Uh, Love is not boastful or proud or rude. Go into the next verse, please. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. If we look at our previous verses when it talked about making allowance for each other's faults, okay, this is the way that we go about doing that, okay? The love that we have for one another needs to not just be love in word or emotion. It needs to be words that translate into action. That's the way that God loves us. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. Right? That's what God did for us out of his love for us. He didn't just say, I love him, and then keep it moving. Okay? He did something that was highly actionable and highly sacrificial 
so that he could prove his love for us. Okay? So all of these actions that it speaks about in these verses point back to the fact that our love needs to be actionable. Why? Because it's tangible then. Okay? So let's drop down to verse 7 where it says, love never gives up. Um, One of the great character or one of the the characteristics that we see very often um, in the Bible um, and actually it's it's two that are are sort of lumped together as one um, is God's undying love and faithfulness okay I I spoke with the staff a little bit about this this morning but uh, God's undying love and faithfulness for us okay Uh, this is what allows love to never give up because God will chase you down to your deathbed to get you to see your need for Jesus as a sacrifice for your sins, okay? Why? Because he never gives up, all right? If you are his, you are going to be his, period. End of story, okay? That love, that faith that he has that you are going to turn and come to repentance, like, like, that's it. Well, God doesn't actually show faith because he knows the beginning from the end, so he knows if you're going to do it anyway. But the reality is this. We need to love in a way that never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, okay? How many of you guys are praying for uh, lost family members? All right. Now, think about how long you've been praying for those family members to get saved, Okay. And think about how much diligence that it takes in prayer to keep praying for them in spite of all the wrong things that they say to you, in spite of all the bad things that they've ever done towards you. But the Bible says that we need to have love that never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. If we don't do that, we lose. We will fail in that mission to become united. If we don't do that, it is very hard for us to find that unity and that harmony that God has commanded us to move towards, okay? And this is why back in Colossians, it tells us that we need to clothe ourselves with love which binds us together in that perfect harmony, okay? So let's move on. We're going to jump to, uh, let's jump to Luke chapter 6. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus is actually speaking, and uh, he gives us a very unique take on this whole issue of love. And he says this in Luke chapter 6, verse 27. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Let's look at the first part of that verse. It says, but to you who are willing to listen. Jesus, God, Um, is a master of intention. 
There's nothing that God does or that Jesus does that is not intentional in our lives, okay? That's a reality, right? There, there's no sort of coincidences in God's economy. Like, there's divine providence, and that's it, okay? God provides us with opportunities to love him. God provides us with opportunities to fail. God provides us with success so that we can learn from those things and be drawn closer to him regardless of the result, okay? So when we are given the opportunity to listen, okay, that's just another opportunity for us to figure out whether or not we are going to be obedient to God or not, all right? So Jesus says this command. He says, but to you who are willing to listen, and, and I have to think that Jesus said that because he knew that some people wouldn't listen. He knew that there were some people that were there that were just there uh, uh, to try and trip him up, that were just there uh, because they were trying to debunk whatever he was teaching, okay, so that they could call him out and stone him and, and just be done with him, okay? So he says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies, okay? Now, Jesus had just been teaching up to this point and talking about how it's easy for us to love people who are friendly to us, who are our families, okay? It's much harder to love an enemy, though, okay? It's much harder for us to love on people uh, who try and sabotage us at work. Um, I know that kind of gets overdramatic at some times, but, uh, um, you know, the reality is this, like, everybody's not going to be for you, all right? And regardless of whether or not they are, we have to understand who is for us. God is for us, okay? And the Bible says if God is for us, then who could be against us? And, like, <laughs> that's the reality, right? So he says here to love your enemies and to do good to those who hate you. Um, this is a hard one, y'all. Uh, I am not going to lie to you. I have not been perfect with this one um, because there's a part of me just like there is a part of you that says, okay, if that's the way you want to play it, we can play, right? Like, I can be me, and let's just do this, right? Um, and, <laughs> you know, I tell, uh, I tell the youth all the time, it's real easy for us to be us, but it's real hard for us to be like Jesus. And this is the way that Jesus has commanded us to live, okay? He has commanded us to love our enemies and not just be emotionally connected to our enemies because, like, how many know that just totally wouldn't work? Having the emotional connection that our current culture talks about, all right, that's not going to work with your enemies. No, but the actionable things that Jesus spoke about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, those things do work with your enemies, why? Because they can see the love that you have for them in spite of the hate that they have for you. Right? Those things are more telling to people than you just telling them, oh, well, God bless you, and then keep it moving. Right? So let's drop down to verse uh, 35. Yeah, drop down to verse 35. Because Jesus goes on this... Um, goes along the same lines, and he says this, love your enemies, 
do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid, then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. Verse 36 says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Listen, um, when we love our enemies the way that the Bible teaches, we are more likely to extend them that grace, that mercy, to extend them the compassion, the understanding, the empathy that it takes to meet them in their hate just the way that Jesus did. He met everybody in their hate for him and was able to show them love and then some accepted that love and walked with him and some were totally repulsed by it, okay, and hated him even more, okay? Without us walking in the same manner, it's very easy for the world to just see us as being us. and not see the Jesus that we say we stand for. It's not easy to love your enemies. It is not easy uh, to do the actionable things that it, it shows that love to people when people hate you. But that's what we're commanded to do nonetheless. Because the Bible tells us to do good to those who hate us. Now, that doesn't mean that we set ourselves up in abusive relationships and uh, continue to be abused by people, but we do things that show them that we love them, but we protect ourselves at the same time, okay? Uh, There isn't a person in here that I would recommend staying in an abusive relationship, okay? You can still love that person from afar and be in separate households Uh, still be married to that person and seeking counseling and trying to do better, right? Don't don't nudge him like that. That's terrible. (laughs) So, (laughs) love on her anyway, Cedric. Um, So, yeah, like we need to love our enemies the same way that Jesus loved his enemies and we need to show it to them in tangible ways. Okay. Um, let's switch to John 17, uh, starting at verse 20. Um, and this, in this particular set of verses, Jesus is actually praying for believers. Okay, uh, He's praying not only for the disciples that he had at that time, but he's also praying for all disciples who would ever come to know him. Okay, Where he says this, I am not only praying for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will be, or they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and that they must be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. Let's pause there for a second. So Jesus is praying, and he is praying that there would be unity between us and the Father the same way that there is unity between he and the Father, 
okay? And he makes this statement. He says, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. When Jesus is truly in us, when he is truly working through us, when he is truly grasping our hearts and our minds to do and say the things that we do, to have the attitude that we have, even to have the thoughts that we have, okay, the world can see the difference that there is between us by ourselves and Jesus in us, okay? So that's why the second part of this statement where it says, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. That part is critical right there because if we are not displaying the love of Jesus, if we are not displaying what, uh, what true love is for people, it's very hard for people to grasp on to the concept that God actually sent Jesus to this earth to be crucified for everyone's sins and that ultimately sin will be paid for one way or the other. You will either pay your own way for sin or you will accept the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. It's very hard for people to grasp that concept if God is not in us, if Jesus is not in us, okay? They will never believe that Jesus was sent if he is not displayed in us, in our actions, thoughts, words, and attitude. They will never see it if that's not the way that we're living. Okay? Uh, let's go to verse 22. It says, I have given them the glory you have gave me, so they may be one as we are one. Verse 23. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Listen. When Christ is working in us, when his love is flowing through us and is demonstrated to the world, there will be such unity that the world will know, unequivocally, the world will know that God sent Jesus and that we are loved just as much by God as he loves Jesus. Okay. If we could grasp this, if we could demonstrate this, if we could put this on display half as much as it is easy to read it and to understand it, the world would be a different place. The world would be a very different place. Because the fact of the matter is that the Bible describes the world as being a dark place where people are lost, where Jesus was the light. He came into the world, okay, uh, so that the world would see all the sin, all the depravity, all of the jacked up things that we do, okay, the true nature of who we are, okay, and 
then once we get saved, we are called to be the light of the world. Okay, Matthew 5, 16, may your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Okay, that only happens if the light that he has given us is shining through us and can reach people and can teach people about who Jesus is. The most, uh, 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 the most common way for us to do that is by demonstrating that love for people. We can't demonstrate something that we don't have in us, though. How many of you know it's, it's very easy for us to tell our kids to do things that we don't actually do? How many of you know that your kids are probably not likely to do those things that you tell them to do uh, because it's the right thing to do, they're going to do what you actually do? Same concept, y'all. Same concept. Okay. Our light can't be dim for this world to see the way out. Our light must be on display at all times. Uh, uh, I think in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking and he said that uh, we should not cover the light that we have, but that that light should be open for everyone in the house to see. Are you letting your light shine before men that they would see the good works that you are doing and glorifying your Father in heaven? That's where we need to be. Okay? Um, let's go to let's go to Ephesians chapter 6 starting at verse 11. So we've been talking about unity from God's perspective and we've been kind of showing uh, the reasons why um, unity is so important and how unity comes about. But let's talk about one of the reasons why we absolutely need to do this. Because the reality is this, um, like I told you guys before, there's a lot of hate out there in the world, just in case you hadn't noticed, right? Um, and that's there by design because the enemy, Satan, opposes everything that God stands for, okay? So, Let's take a look at Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 11, where the Bible says this. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Verse 13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Here's the thing. God will always stand for unity within his house. And the enemy will always oppose it. there is always going to be a conflict of interest when you have um, when you have people of differing opinions uh, have people that come from different generations have people that come from different geographical areas uh, have people that just come from different walks of life in general okay that is no different within the church all right and 
the reality is that we have to be willing to set all of that stuff aside and not choose the path of evil if we are going to truly be unified. Okay? So, this is why I told you up front those three things that we need to be bound by, okay, and that we need to walk by, okay? The fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, He came, He died for our sins, was resurrected uh, for us to receive salvation. That's one. The, the second thing was that uh, Jesus Christ is the only way to get to heaven. And the third thing being that we need to use God's Word, the Almighty Scripture, as our lens by which we view everything and that we gauge right and wrong in our own lives, not in the lives of others, in our own lives, right? Those three things. We do those three things, we're much better off, okay? But when we don't use those three things and we don't arm ourselves with the armor of God, okay, we will be drawn to evil. We will be drawn to strife. We will be drawn to everything that will separate us. Okay? And we need to be intentional about how we go about living our lives. If we are not, it's very easy for us to slide into this. Okay? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Romans chapter 12. We got a close up shop. We want to get out of here before four, right? I kid, I kid. Um, a little. Um, all right, so Romans chapter 12 at verse 16. The Bible says this. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people, and don't think you know it all. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't say amen, you say ouch, right? Aha. Uh -huh. All right, so we've been talking about harmony and unity. I'm not going to touch on that text. Uh, we understand that. Uh, we need to be striving towards harmony, okay? Uh, <laughs> the next part says, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. This was actually written uh, to the church in Rome, and just like there is today, okay, there is um, there's a lot of people that come from different walks of life, some people that are more well-to-do, some people that are poor, some people... Um, uh, that have grown up in church their whole life, some people that are coming to know the Lord for the first time, okay? There's a lot of different walks of life that people come from, but the reality behind this statement is that it's telling us to not be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people, quote, whatever that is, okay? Because we should never be looking down our nose at anyone. The ground at the foot of the cross is level for everybody. None of us should be too high and mighty. None of us should be too proud. None of us should look, as, uh, look at ourselves as being more righteous, even if we do have a closer relationship to God than the person sitting next to you. That's just it. We're all at different points in our walk with God. And if we 
use that as a way to separate ourselves from other people, because that's ultimately what that does, okay? Uh, when we become proud and, and we become setting ourselves apart because, oh, well, I've, I've been saved for this long, or, um, you know, I do this at the church. No, 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 no. You do what you do for God, not for other men to see it. You do what you do out of service to him because we are commanded to do it and because out of a love that we have for him. Those are the only two things that we should be doing, okay? There should not be any pride in us in our pursuit of God. He did all the work. It is already done. And he has given us the power to do good works on his behalf, not on ours. Okay? And then my favorite part of this, and don't think you know it all. Um, you know, as a person with a couple different degrees, um, who has, you know, read a ton of this book um, from front to back and been teaching this for a while and um, who uh, can rightfully claim that I, I know some stuff, okay? Um, this right here, this whole don't think you know it all, got to keep coming back to that one. Got to, um, because there's always something we don't know, okay? Um, and we should always be, uh, I was telling the staff this this morning, we should always be doing two things um, when it comes to God. We should always have our hands open towards him, not because we, we are expecting him to give us something, but we are awaiting what he will give us. There's a difference, okay? Um, we should walk with open hands because we need to allow God to take things away from us and to give us things that he wants for us to do. Okay? The second thing is we always need to have our ears and hearts open towards him because he's always speaking to us. The messed up thing is that we're not always listening. God can speak to us through the words in that Bible. God can speak to us through songs. God can speak to us uh, through situations. God can speak to us through preaching and teaching. Um, but the reality is, in order for you to get it, you have to be listening. Okay? Um, you know, I've, I've taught my kids this, and I've, I've taught some of your kids this. Um, learning is a humbling experience, and it can be done one of two ways. Okay? You can learn willingly, uh, meaning you can open yourself up to the experience to learn something from the teacher, or you can learn by way of experience uh, because life will be your teacher. Uh, I usually have a limit as to you know, how many times I'm, I'm willing to uh, uh, tell my kids to do a certain thing uh, before I tell them the favorite thing that they're willing to hear. Uh, you know what? Life will be your teacher because I clearly can't, okay? But it is only because they haven't humbled themselves to a point where they're willing to accept what I'm teaching, okay? So just like Jesus taught before, he said, but to those who are willing to listen, we have to be willing to listen. We have to be willing to hear from God in order for him to have an impact on us 
to move us in a certain direction, to change our thoughts, actions, words, okay? If we're not willing to listen, I don't care how much you read this Bible, you can fill your head from front to back, be able to recite every single verse and not have it touch your heart if you're not listening, okay? If we are not listening, if we are not trying to constantly gauge what we are seeing in the situations that are going on around us and ask God, what are you trying to teach me? We lose. If we are not, uh, if we are uh, 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 here on Sunday morning and we are singing praise and worship songs uh, and we are able to recite every single verse and play every single note uh, the way that it's prescribed on those pages, but we are not trying to make a heart connection with God through the praise and worship. We're not listening. We missed it. Okay? That is not where we want to be. We always want to have the open hands and we always want to make sure that we are hearing from God. Okay? Because when we do that and when we act on what he has told us to do or what he has given us to do, then we will be successful, okay, because he's with us, okay? So um, we need to keep these things sort of at the forefront of our minds, all right? Verse 17 says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, um, with having people see Jesus in our actions, thoughts, words, attitude, rather than seeing us, okay? Because it, here's the thing, like there's a lot of good people, quote unquote, you know, going around doing good things, okay? But the praise gets put back on those people rather than the God have, that has enabled those people to do those things, okay? So if I go and I serve in the food and clothing ministry, and, you know, I'm walking up to cars and I'm handing out boxes and I'm high-fiving people and people are praising me and like, oh, thank you so much for what you do and all this. Listen, if I'm taking that to heart, I'm stealing praise from God. I'm stealing from God because I should be like, listen, God bless you, but the reality is that God has blessed you with this food today, okay? The reality is that I am just the hands and feet that's bringing this food out to you. And yes, I do want you to have it, but he's made it possible, not me. Matthew 5, 16, may your light so shine before men that they would see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven, not you. Right? That wasn't in my notes, y'all. I just, I had, a, <laughs> had another conversation with the staff about that this morning. They know what I'm talking about. Um, all right. Uh, last verse here, and then we will call it a day. Uh, Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, it says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. <sighs> How many of you know this one can be a real tough one? Absolutely. But this is what we are commanded to do. And the only way that we are going to make this happen is if we are striving for unity and harmony within the body of Christ 
is if we are doing so from a heart that is actionably loving on people. That's the only way that this happens. There is no other way, okay? Because this command here doesn't teach us just to be at peace with people in the church. This commands us to be at peace with everyone, right? There's people out there that hate you. There's people out there that oppose the gospel that will run, down, run God down every chance that they get. I don't feel good when you hear that stuff happen. I know because it grates at my soul, okay? Uh, and I have to make a choice in the moment. Uh, you know, am I going to stand for it? Am I going to allow that to be said about my God? Uh, and I have to be wise about it because uh, I want to say in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 23 through 25, the Bible talks about how uh, we ought to share the truth with people and then perhaps, maybe, God will open their eyes and they would come to know the truth. Okay? It is not upon us to... Uh, uh, to slam the truth down on people and then, you know, force them to believe. It's not. That's not what God does with us. We share the gospel with people, okay? Just like I could come in and I could have a big bucket of popcorn. I could share my popcorn with, uh, with Deacon Cedric, but he could also say no. No, thank you. I don't want any popcorn, okay? Uh, you know, you share that gospel with people and hopefully they accept it but there are some that won't. Because again, the Bible says perhaps they will believe the truth, okay? And come to a full knowledge of God. But it is not for us to decide, okay? Uh, just like in this verse, it is not for us to set apart some people who we're going to be, or who we are going to do all that we can to live in peace with, okay? We need to live we need to do the best that we can to live in peace with everyone. We can't be selective about that. We can't, just like we can't be selective about who we share the gospel with, okay? Like, that's not our call. Our calling is to share the gospel with everyone. Our call is to do all that we can to live at peace with everyone, okay? It is only when we do that, it is only when we take on this mindset that we look past all the hate that they've given us, that we look past all the negative things that they've said, when we look past all of the, uh, 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 all of the, the ill thoughts and attitudes that have been hurled towards us, okay? And we say, you know what? I'm going to love you in spite of you. I'm going to love you the way that Jesus loves us. Okay? Regardless of whether or not you accept me or uh, the truth of what I'm trying to speak to you, I'm going to love you instead of you. Okay? Um, we have to do better with this. Starting with myself uh, and moving throughout the body of Christ. We have to do better with this. There has been 
divisions predating uh, the formation of the, the actual church. Um, you know, even when, uh, even when Jesus was walking with the disciples, I mean, they were arguing about who would sit next to him in heaven, right? Uh, you know, and they were arguing over trivial matters, things that don't matter. Like, I, listen, let me tell you something. When I get to heaven, I don't care if I'm the last person in the gate. I'm in the gate. I don't care if I'm the last person to sit down and I happen to be sitting the furthest from God. I am with God. I don't care if I am uh, uh, given a job that I've never done before or that I don't feel like I should be doing. Like, I, none of that matters. I am with God. That's what matters. We need to do better. I need to do better. We can only do that if we are willing to love people and to strive for that perfect harmony and that unity that God describes in the verses that we went through today. When we do that, God is pleased with us. God loves that. Regardless of all the things that have been said, all the things that have been done, we choose to put those things aside and we choose to seek unity in spite of those things. Because that's what he did with us. I'm going to go a little bit off script. Let's stand up together. Um, I want to do something in unity today. Or rather, I should say I feel led to do something in unity today. Hold the hands of the person standing next to you. And as we get ready to close in prayer, I hope that this message has touched us and moved us in a way uh, that we would truly seek that unity, truly seek that harmony. Um, because we're never all going to, you know, uh, be... We're never all going to be um, who God has called us to be if we're not striving through love to reach that unity and that harmony. And, you know, the Bible talks about how uh, the enemy is working really, really hard, like working overtime to tear us apart. And it is only going to be through intentional and purposeful action that we stand firm against the evil one. And it can only come about 
if we are striving through love to seek that unity and that harmony. Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for loving us. God, we thank you uh, that you strive within us. Help us to see your goodness, your glory, your love, your grace, your mercy, your compassion for us. You know us. You know the things that, uh, that draw us away from you, the things that draw us away from the unity that we spoke about. So we come to you and we ask that you help us to set those things aside. We ask that you, that you work in us and that you move us to draw closer to you. And as a result, that we would move closer to each other. God, we pray and we ask that you break down the strongholds in our hearts that would keep us divided, that would keep us focused on trivial matters, that would keep us away from experiencing that perfect harmony and that unity that you talk about in your word. God, we ask that you help us where we fall short and where we struggle in this area. And we ask that you renew us, that you help us today to find that unity through love, to find that harmony through love, and to cast out of the way anything that would cause division among us. So we pray today that you would allow the world to see more of you in us than they see us. We ask today that you would help us to be who you've called us to be. Help us to be your children. Help us to always seek unity. God, we pray that you continue to strengthen our hearts and our minds. We pray that you continue to draw us close to you. We ask that you continue to help us to be all that you have called us to be. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.